Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The House has passed a new domestic terrorism bill, but it's drawing debate over who's to blame for the Buffalo mass shooting and what this bill really does. The nays are 203. The bill is passed. The House passed a bill that seeks to create domestic terrorism offices in the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, and the FBI. It comes days after a racially motivated mass shooting in Buffalo, over which some Democrats blame on a rise of white nationalism. The Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act is the least we can do to signal our opposition to white nationalism and this rising menace of organized intolerance. The Wednesday vote followed mostly party lines, with Representative Adam Kinzinger being the only Republican to vote yes. We must do more. A group of Democrats on Thursday vowed to take further action beyond the bill while blaming Republicans for what happened in Buffalo. Well, let's hold the right people accountable, and that's the Republican Party. They accused the GOP of echoing racist theories, with Nancy Pelosi pivoting to January 6th. The January 6th assault on the Capitol, which had the same racist elements to it, replacement theory background to it. But Republicans accuse Democrats of using the violent incident to launch partisan attacks. This legislation is a blatant attempt to further transform the Department of Justice and Department of Homeland Security into political weapons. Speaking in opposition to the bill's passage, Representative Andrew Clyde said it would open the door for assaulting First Amendment rights. I urge all my colleagues to vote against H.R. 350 and thereby protect Americans' First Amendment rights and block the Biden administration from targeting, monitoring, and labeling Americans they fundamentally disagree with as domestic terrorists. The bill will now head to the Senate, where its fate is uncertain. Meanwhile, the suspect of the Buffalo shooting has been indicted. 18-year-old Peyton Gendron stood silently today as a grand jury indicted him for first-degree murder in the Saturday shooting spree that killed 10 people. Gendron had reportedly posted hundreds of pages of writings online before the attack, detailing his plans for the assault. He's due back in court on June 9th. And when high-profile tragedies with a racial component occur in the United States, there's a responsibility on the media and those in positions of influence to unite rather than using it as a political opportunity to manipulate raw emotions. Dr. Carol Swain is a retired professor from Vanderbilt University. We had a chance to speak to her about the shooting that took place in Buffalo. Dr. Swain, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. It's my pleasure. Doctor, when it comes to the uh, horrific event that took place in Buffalo, New York, the shooting, it was um, obviously seems to be racially motivated. That fact can't be ignored. There also seems to be a mental health uh, aspect involved here. Moving forward, um, the days after, what do you think is the proper way to assess uh, these types of events? Well, first of all, it takes me back to late 1990s, early 2000, uh, when there were some uh, incidents that were happening like that across the country. And it wasn't just uh, white on black or, or, or involving Jews, but also uh, one case in particular involving a black man. And so what I think is that we need to look at the environment that creates uh, an atmosphere where people hate one another. Uh, what happened back then, it inspired me to write a book titled uh, The New White Nationalism in America, It's Challenged Integration. 
And what I found were that there were conditions that were converging that I felt were creating a devil's brew for racial unrest. And I believe that uh, there are grievances that fester, there are legitimate uh, issues that are not being uh, addressed, and that uh, right now we have the critical race theory, the diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, being uh, pushed upon the population in a way that divides people. It creates racial animosity and hatred. And as long as politicians see political advantage to dividing people along racial lines, I think you're going to have uh, young people, you know, that have grievances and they see racial double standards and they get angrier and angrier. And unfortunately, we have created a society where people can't talk. We, we would be much better off if we could talk freely. And when you have a young man like that, that he could have a conversation back and forth with someone who disagreed with him. And I think you would have uh, fewer incidents like that if we had free speech. So do you think there is an alternative way or a way to you know, create more unity through these types of tragedies? Yes, I think that uh, instead of, we, we can look at that particular person that was tragic, what happened was tragic, but we also need to look at uh, the, uh, the subway uh, incident. Uh, we also need to look at the hate crimes that take place involving other groups. And we need to look at ourselves and our leaders and how they're responding because I think we are responsible that because we are not addressing uh, issues and grievances and problems in a way that bring people together, uh, we are creating an atmosphere where these uh, types of incidents will continue to occur. And in that book, uh, The New White Nationalism, I uh, argued that we needed to reject identity politics and multiculturalism, and in America, we needed to focus on the American national identity. To your point, um, President Biden visited uh, Buffalo where he addressed the families there. He actually invoked the January 6th uh, Capitol uh, breach and protesters there. Um, what, you know, what do you make of that? I mean, it's just exploitation. It's pandering. Because if we look at January 6th, and we should be looking at it, our leaders should be looking at it, what I see is that we have an America that uh, now, uh, 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 it seems comfortable with having political prisoners. Because many of those people that are in jail from January 6th, they've not had trials. They've not had due process, presumption of innocence. And we see a double standard where people on the left are allowed to engage in violence and even actually set uh, federal buildings on fire and nothing is done. And so when I look at January 6th, has nothing to do with the, uh, this uh, young man in Buffalo. Absolutely nothing. And so you see the Democrats creating conflict and animosity. Every American should be appalled by those people that are in jail uh, because of January 6th. Dr. Swain, you mentioned uh, conflict and animosity being stirred up here. There's another major issue in the country right now I want to get your thoughts on, which is at the Supreme Court um, with the potential for violence, the government's warning when the actual decision uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade is going to be handed down. Well, I recently I read that the Department of Homeland Security they're warning that there may be attacks on abortion clinics and all of these things that might take place. And the way they're framing their messaging, it seems as if they think that it's the pro-life people that we need to be afraid of. 
we have a situation again where you have lawlessness and this lawlessness is being encouraged by the government and um, and with the lawlessness that's taking place now that's being encouraged is that uh, the statues that are on the books about protesting outside of judges homes and threatening uh, you know uh, Supreme Court justices the law is not being followed by a US government and I think that um, they are setting the stage for uh, violence that they're going to condone. If we return to law and order, whichever side would engage in unruly behavior, then you apply the law to them. And if people need to be arrested because they're violating the law, put them in jail. Dr. Swain, um, with these underlying you know issues that we have it feels like we're in a constant state of upheaval do you find that this is reminiscent to a lot of pro-communist movements that really thrive on struggle and strife I do believe that America as we know it I'm not sure she exists because when I look at the America today that right now is controlled by the Democratic Party it is so similar to totalitarian societies. They've clearly taken over the mainstream media. They've used big tech to enforce censorship. And we're at a dangerous point in American society. And I think that uh, there's so many problems. And the problems have to do with we're just not enforcing the laws that have been on the books. And if you look at, uh, go back to General Milley and the information that came out that um, that he had conversations, you know, with China, that if the president decided he was going to uh, uh, escalate any type of actions against China, that he was not going to follow, uh, carry it out. Uh, and so all of these things, I think we have uh, situations where our leaders are compromised by governments like China, uh, you know, that can pay off our leaders. There seems to be no consequences. And as a as a consequence for us as American citizens, um, our nation is being undermined from within. Dr. Carol Swain, thank you. My pleasure. Today, President Biden makes his first trip to the Indo-Pacific region, where he's looking to build security and economic alliances to counter communist China. He'll first meet with Korean and Japanese leaders before a meeting with the Quad, a group that includes Australia, India, and Japan. And on their first trip to Asia since taking office, the Biden administration says they're sending a message to China. That is, do not get any ideas from what Russia has done by invading Ukraine when it comes to Taiwan. The CCP often projects an air of supremacy through their own motto of being great, glorious, and correct. But what is China's greatest vulnerability? It's actually their human rights abuses. In particular, state-run forced live organ harvesting against Falun Gong prisoners of conscience. Our next guest is a member of Congress who co-sponsored the Falun Gong Protection Act and understands this issue well. Congressman Steve Shabbat, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, it's great to be with you. Congressman, you've been very outspoken about human rights abuses committed by the uh, Chinese Communist Party. I want to ask you specifically about the practice of organ harvesting on Falun Gong practitioners. Uh, China is obviously a very closed country, but there have been thorough investigations, whistleblower doctors inside of China who've confirmed these practices. What can be done to stop uh, this crime against humanity? Well, this is probably one of the most heinous, barbaric practices that's uh, occurring on the earth today. 
it really sounds like a horror movie in many ways. Uh, the difference, of course, is this is real. Um, and it's principally Falun Gong practitioners who have been targeted, although Christians and Uyghurs have also been victims of this uh, policy by the PRC. We could pass strong legislation. We need to do that. But the world really needs to uh, get up in arms about this. Um, there are people, we think, between 60 and 100,000 per year that are being murdered and their organs involuntarily taken by the government of China. Uh, they make money. It could be up to a billion dollars a year. And the leadership also has access uh, to this for health reasons, for longevity. Um, the world needs to speak up and speak out loudly and clearly about this. And our own government needs to do this. And I would urge uh, the Biden administration to be much more outspoken, much more active in opposition to this than they have been thus far. Congressman, you're so right. It, it really does not seem real. It's, it's unfathomable that a, a, a government, a regime as large as China, that's really kind of accepted on, a, on the world stage as a legitimate government in many ways, uh, could be doing this. Uh, do you think that the United States should reconsider normal diplomatic relations with China? I think that certainly has to be one of the uh, weapons in our arsenal to be used to stop this barbaric, uh, inhumane practice. Um, China likes to think of itself as one of the leaders in the civilized world. Um, this practice is, is, you know, it's, it's not only inhumane, um, it's hard to fathom that in the year 2022 that this is still going on. Uh, innocent people involuntarily being murdered and having their organs harvested. It's just, it's an outrage. And, and China likes to get out there and thump their chest and act like they're a leader. Um, this is anything but civilized. Congressman, there's different ways to, to weaken a country. Uh, some have argued that China is weakening the United States by attacking us uh, via killing hundreds of thousands of Americans, by shipping the lethal fentanyl into the country. Um, some experts argue that China's Achilles heel is their human rights record and that they fear nothing more than this being exposed. Do you think the U.S. could do more to press China where it hurts, which is exactly there, uh, exposing their human rights abuses? Yes, absolutely. Not only should we be doing that, I think it's our responsibility uh, and our allies as well. We ought to be working on this together. Now, many of us have important uh, trade relations with China. And unfortunately, sometimes I think that obscures uh, people's humanity and, and the right point of view uh, that is to call out this and do everything within our power to stop such a horrendous uh, practice. You know, we shouldn't let uh, earning money get in the way of defending human rights. Congressman Steve Shabbat, thank you. Thank you very much. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.